With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Hiding right, in the sports zone on this Tuesday night Super Bowl week. And yeah, they did the whole media day yesterday. Tom Brady had the gloves on and was playing around with some of the silly questions, but it was you know, pretty chill uh, media day yesterday. Not a whole lot of big stories, not a whole lot of trash talking back and forth as you know, the Super Bowl is, I'm, I'm sure once we get to Sunday and, and maybe even later this week, it, it'll really start front and center, but it's for a Super Bowl week, the hype train uh, has certainly not been uh, an overdrive here as Maybe there is some fatigue uh, with you know seeing the Patriots there again, and you, know, you can't argue uh, Belichick the greatest, Brady the the greatest. They, they don't have much on the line here for the Eagles. Everything is on the line uh, for that city as they haven't had a, a Super Bowl champion, and uh, they're trying to figure out how to keep people off the light poles. They tried the Crisco last time. That didn't work, and now the cops say they got you know, a whole new plan there in Philadelphia to keep uh, the celebration in check if the, Phil- if the Eagles do manage to win, and, and they won't give it up. But they say they, they might have found something a little more slick than Crisco to put on those light poles. Like That's where the drama is to me in this game. If Philly wins... How is that city going to survive when they had dune buggies going up the steps of, uh, you know, the the, the Rocky statue? Um, just forgetting to the Super Bowl. Forget about it if they actually win one. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number. So, you know, we'll get into some of the highlights from yesterday uh, a little bit later. But uh, I want to start with the Mets here tonight and, you know, Mickey Calloway, the new manager uh, he sat down, had a conversation with some New York uh, columnists today. So, you know, seeing some of his comments and, you know, Sal Licata and I had a chance to sit down with Mickey Calloway a few months ago, but just getting further idea of, of what he is all about. And the big thing that he's bringing to the table isn't necessarily that he's going to save the pitching staff and, you know, make the little tweaks that are going to make everybody uh, 10 times better than they were last year. It's a factor, but the big thing is the culture change. And when Sandy Alderson and Mickey Calloway spoke at his press conference, that is something they hearkened back to. They have the same thoughts on leadership and getting everybody moving in the same direction. And one of the ways that it might play out on the field that Calloway discussed today is you know, not necessarily defining a closer. Now, if you ask me and you look at the Mets' bullpen, if you need big outs in the ninth inning, Jerris Familia is the guy to go to. He is a legit closer. Did not have a very good season last year, even when he was healthy, and I understand that. But I thought in the last few weeks of the season, you started to see that sinker look like it did a couple of years ago. And in 2015, 
I know we all talk about the starting pitching, but Jarris Familia was as big a reason that the Mets got to the World Series as you know any of those starting pitchers. And if you want to point to three blown saves in the World Series, which sounds awful, I'll give you game one, giving up the home run to Alex Gordon on a quick pitch. But those other two save situations that he was put in, he had like, bad defense behind him. Uh, he had plays not made. He got out in those performances, and I have a hard time blaming him for some of the spots that he was put in. So I, I trust Jared's familiar to be the closer, and I don't see you know another relief pitcher on this staff that is is that guy. So when Mickey Calloway is saying, well, I don't want to have a defined closer, and I want to, to maneuver some things and, and have the flexibility – to use Jairus Familia in the seventh inning if I feel that's the biggest spot. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, the sabermetricians have talked about forever, having a relief ace, treating a closer like they used to. Uh, and, and it's an old-school idea as much as it's a new school, where Goose Gossage, he didn't just come in in the ninth inning and face the 8-9-1 batters and get the save with a three-run lead. If it was a tie game in the seventh inning, he was going in at that point, and he knew the biggest spot in the game, that's where you're going to be coming in. It's not going to be a set role. And, you know, for Callaway, he wants to try to build that mentality, I believe, and through the bullpen, but you also want to see it for the whole team. And I think this is the way that he'll do it. So I, based on what he's saying, I think you're going to see a lot of Jairus Millian in the ninth inning because he's that guy, and, and that is that is his role. And to some degree, you are going to have roles, but... Uh, he doesn't want to put anything in stone because he's going to tell the team, hey, day to day, I got to do what's best for the team. He's got to explain it to these players. And this is how you know, he's got to try to get them all to buy in at a time when players know a lot. You know, players now, uh, you can't just hear something that the manager says and the coach says, take it at face value and walk away. And that's true, you know, probably for the entire generation. If, you know, my boss says something to me, I'm also probably going to, okay, you know, let me see if I can find more information on this and what, uh, you know, what is going to work in a certain situation, the middle of a show and, and whatever it might be. If that information is out there, you're going to go and find it. It doesn't take long to find. It's not like, you know, going to the library for uh, six hours like you might have 30 years ago. You, you Google it and you find what's out there. And if, you know, the manager is explaining, hey, uh, you really struggle against left-handers and a, a batter like this, so you're not going to face him in this game. Well, you know, now the pitcher could play along and, and know what is happening. And I'm I'm very curious to see how it pans out because even Callaway acknowledged this that this isn't utopia. And, you know, as much as you want everybody to buy in, you give them the information, you give them the respect, and they give it back. Uh, that's not always the way that it works, but this is one of the ways that he could try to build the kind of culture and situation uh, that's necessary, you know, here for the Mets. Uh, you know, and again, I, I would be if it was we're going to try the relief face, we're not going to have a closer, we're going to bounce things around. That would worry me a little bit because we've seen that fail in a lot of different areas. But uh, if you look at how you know Terry Francona utilized his staff in Cleveland, while there might not have been a set closer. 
you know, guys were mostly used in their spots, in their situations. And I think that is beneficial for the players. They need to have a role, an idea when they're going to be used. You need to communicate that before the game. If a guy's used to coming in the eighth inning and that's his role, and all of a sudden in the fifth inning you're getting him warmed up and he had no idea that was going to happen, you're probably not going to get the best out of him. And this is the balance that you know the Mets are going to have to find and, and why you know communication is so important. And that's how... I think more than anything else, you want to turn around this Mets pitching staff from having a 5-plus ERA last year. Uh, health is the biggest factor, but secondly will be you know utilizing the bullpen in, in smarter ways and, and keeping guys engaged, focused, and uh, knowing you know what they can expect on a given night. So I, I like a, a lot of what you hear from Mickey Calloway. He's very thoughtful. He doesn't you know put himself in any boxes, not putting labels on anybody. Uh, you know the situation will dictate what he's going to do. And I, I, I'm excited to see exactly how this all plays out because it, it seems to make a, a lot of sense to me. And, you know, it's the honeymoon phase with the manager. As we've talked about, that first five-game losing streak and how he handles it, we'll find out a lot. But uh, as, you know, spring training starts to approach, it isn't long now until pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting, you know, just learning a little more uh, day by day. What the Mets are going to have in their in their new skipper, um, you know, Struble Cabrera uh, talked with Kevin Kernan of the New York Post recently, and he discussed that he'll play anywhere, but his preference is to be at second base. How might that impact the Mets thinking? Why? Uh, the change of tune uh, to some degree from Esdrubal Cabrera, and we'll bring on Kevin Kernan of the New York Post, uh, you know, catching up with a lot of the players. So we always love talking to him this time of year, finding out what everybody's up to. So uh, we'll have Kernan when we come back. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Oh, before you know it, it'll be pitchers and catchers, but uh, not too soon to be you know, hearing from catching up with uh, some of the Mets players. Kevin Kernan of the New York Post has certainly been doing that over the course of uh, of this week. And Kev, I always love talking to you this time of year as, you know, everyone, uh, you know, start, we start finding out what everybody's been up to. And uh, how you been? Everything good, Kev? Everything's good, Pete. You know, it's uh, get the ball rolling with spring training. Uh, there's... Uh... You know, there's uh, regular spring training, and then there's uh, AMBS spring training, and <laughs> I start a little earlier than most because uh, when the you know the players start, that's when I start. So sure. that's what we're all about, and uh, been doing it for a few years, and it's um, getting to get a jump on everybody. It's nice. Yeah, you do a great job, and uh, you're able to catch up with this Jubal Cabrera, who's kind of the pivot man in the Mets infield right now, where uh, he could end up playing second base if the Mets were to sign, say, a Todd Frazier, or third base if they uh, go out and you know bring in uh, you know a Nunez or Neil Walker back into the fold. Uh, he prefers apparently second base. You know, were you? Uh, surprised at all about that, you know, considering that he did make the adjustment in the middle of the year to the hot corner last season. No, not at all, Pete, because, uh, you know, first of all, one of the things I try to do is I actually try to talk to players, you know, whereas a lot of people these days uh, think reporting is reporting on somebody's tweets. I actually try to talk to players and get their thoughts and um, spend time with them. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the infield situation. And, and I was there in San Francisco when he, you know, demanded to be traded because they didn't like the communication situation and was stunned to be taken out of shortstop. But if you think about it, he spent his whole life 
in the middle of the diamond. It's just easier to flip over to second base. The, the hot corner is the hot corner for a reason. And I think one of the big points, uh, certainly what I want to make to Mets fans, because I certainly Yankee fans saw when Todd Frazier got brought into third base for the Yankees, he cleaned up the whole infield. Uh, it was a mess. They couldn't turn double plays. They couldn't do a lot of things. Um, and now, you know, he, he gets there. All of a sudden, the pitching's better. And I think it's really the, the, the average fan, because they're so locked in now to analytics and numbers, they don't see what's in front of them a lot. And certainly the average reporter doesn't anymore. You know, it's just all numbers. But when you have a third baseman who can make the really good play, it makes a world of difference. And to, to Cabrera's credit, you know, I asked him the question, and he was very honest. He said, no, you know, third base is hard. It's really hard. And this is a guy who's played, you know, 11 years in the majors. And um, and, and and he was just being very honest. and said, second base, you got more time to react. And so I think he was giving me an honest answer. And that's what I love to do. I love to get honest answers from players without making it, blowing it up, to, you know, out of proportion, but just telling the truth. And that's why I think if the Mets signed Todd Frazier would be a great sign, great signing. And, um, I, you know, it, it would really, uh, really make things, uh, it, it would really give the lift that they need going into spring training. We'll see which direction they've gone. They brought a lot of guys back. And, um, you know, getting the band back together is okay if the band has done something. But, um, you know, I think they need to shake it up a little bit. Sure. Well, with Cabrera at second base, when we saw him at shortstop last year, he just, he didn't have the range to, to stick at that mm-hmm. position, which is why, you know, third base seemed to make sense for him. At second base, you know, to your eyes, Kevin, and I respect what you see in the game, um, you know, do you think that you know, that would be, you know, an easy transition, the mobility wouldn't be as much of an issue for him? It would be a little bit of an issue because he's getting older and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't cover ground and the knees have to be healthy. But, you know, they live with Neil Walker at second base and his, uh, his defense for a while. And, um, you know, Neil doesn't move that great either. I think he would, um, because of the hands and things like that, he, he would be, he'd be adequate. I'm not saying he's going to be spectacular at second, but he'll be adequate. And, um, you know, Sandy Olsen is not a big believer in defense. He just wants adequate defense, and, and it would take the, the upside on offense. That's his philosophy. And um, I think that's I think Cabrera fits right in the middle of all that. And then you have, you know, you, you do have Jose Reyes, uh, you know, who could uh, also be a defensive replacement. Um, you know, with Gonzalez, Agon at first base, you know, he's extremely slow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now you're talking about a super slow infield there on that side. Sure. So it, it would be a challenge, but that's who the Mets are, you know, and Hey, if Noah Syndergaard striking people out, it doesn't matter what kind of speed they have. No, that's what they need. And uh, one of the things they couldn't get last year is the, the kind of strikeout numbers they were hoping for as we chat with Kevin Kernan of the New York Post. How about going back to his Drupal Cabrera when he was in San Francisco and they said, all right, we're going to move you off of shortstop. And you know, he demanded a trade to the media. It was obviously irate at the time. Um, was that all about just having his option picked up and, and, and that's what he was 
worried about and you know that they you know, maybe didn't communicate as well with him as they should have at that time? Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it, Pete. You got to, anytime you give a, I mean, he was, uh, he made that clear to me that, you know, he's very happy to have his option picked up. You know, uh, you win the lottery, $8.5 million. And, 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 you know, at this point, it's a smart move. You know, it turns out that it was a good move by Cabrera because of the way the market has stalled. Uh, yeah. So, you know, getting, getting that kind of money is huge. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with paying a veteran player and having him happy because he is a, he, you know, as much as people like to pick on on Cabrera, you know, he uh, he's a very he he really is when he says on straight, and and he knows he's got his money and this and that, he you know he 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 is a great teammate, you know the players like him, um, so I think it was it, it it was it was the smart move. It should have been done, and the whole thing, the way I see it with Cabrera, quite honestly, if his knees and we talked about this too, I didn't. You know, I didn't get too much of this in the article, but, uh, you know, he, he feels really good. The knees are solid. I think that's a scary thing about third base as well, Pete. We've seen it with David Wright through the years and everybody else. You get beat up at third base, the way you land on your shoulders and things like that. So I think Cabrera thinks he'll stay healthier playing second base as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's uh, going to be an interesting week. I got a few more things lined up later this week. And then, um, you know, it, it, basically once the Super Bowl hits, you know, uh, Port St. Lucie becomes a busy place, so mm-hmm. there'll be a lot going on, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can stay ahead of the curve. And, and it sounds like uh, for the options for another infielder for the Mets here, and, and Ken Rosendahl reported it was down to four: uh, Neil Walker, Nunez, Todd Frazier, Josh Harrison. Frazier would mm-hmm. be your pick, without a doubt. I mean, there's no question about it, uh, because I saw what he did mentally too to lift that 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 Yankee clubhouse, and the Mets could use that. And and look at it. Sandy Olson is seventy years old. It's a very veteran team. I mean, just go around the diamond, look at the ages. You know, you don't even think about this. But I was when I was doing yesterday. You know, Cabrera is and he's the same age as Cespedes. You know, they're basically, you know, players are aging normally now. You know, now that we're beyond uh, some of the, the heavy duty steroid use. Mm-hmm. And thirty uh, two's, you know, that's that's up there now. So you might as well get a veteran player that can do it right now, get the most out of him for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, Nunez would give you a little more athleticism, absolutely. He's had some injury problems too, though. Um, I, I just like Todd Frazier's leadership, his ability to make a big play and not get freaked out. And when he does make a mistake, and mistakes happen a lot in baseball, especially with the Mets, he doesn't let it wear him down. He, he bounces back. I've known the kid since he was 12 years old. He has not changed one bit on the baseball field. Like he told me a few weeks ago when I met with him, hey, I, you know, I'm extremely confident in myself, and, and you got to have that. So I, I think he'd be a great fit for the Mets. And, um, you know, I, to me it's a no-brainer. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Mets make that move. I like Frazier. And, you know, the guy that, that I think is perfect, I understand they got to trade for him, but would be Josh Harrison. And I, I just look mm-hmm. at this team – and if you put Frazier in there, it starts to feel a lot like last year where you talk about how slow an infield it is. And I know defensively he can handle his position, but you want to have some guys that could go first to third. And I know Josh Harrison isn't a huge stolen base guy, but he'd bring athleticism that you know, this team just doesn't have a whole lot of. I, I don't know who hits leadoff for this team once they're all healthy. Uh, you know, what about the idea of, I guess, adding something different, a, a little more versatility to the, the team as a whole? I think if you got to pick one, you got to go with Frazier because it's more of an upside. It, it, you know, there's nothing that says you can't sign them both. 
Um, <laughs> paid for one and, and signed the other one. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's a free world out there. But you know, we've learned through the Mets through the years they don't do that. And and I think the way this team is built, um, it's not going to be a first to third team anyway. I mean, this is uh, this is again, this is what Olsen does. This is sure. the kind of teams he puts together. And um, you know, yeah, Josh Harrison is fine. If you know, either one is an upgrade. I, I agree with that. But if you're asking me which one to take, without question, it would be Todd Frazier. All right, Kevin Kernan, uh, the New York Post, be keeping us busy this time of year. And uh, Kev, again, always love your stuff uh, when you get uh, you know catching up with these guys. And thanks so much for giving us some time tonight. Always a pleasure, Pete. Take care and stay warm. All right, we'll do. Kevin Kernan of the New York Post uh, with us. Uh, a couple of things coming up this week here in the Sports Zone. We will have. Jacob DeGrom on the show, the top of the show, Thursday night. So we'll be able to to catch up with him. Uh, he has said already this offseason he's shooting for a Cy Young, so he's shooting high, and we'll uh, see what else is going on with Jacob. Uh, also, tomorrow night, full three hours, Sal Akata will be uh, with us on the show, and he'll be with us every Wednesday night uh, from now to the end of the season. So uh, looking forward to you know, having uh, having him back in the fold uh, on these Wednesdays, and you know we got plenty to talk about Super Bowl, Mets, uh, the whole nine yards. Is you know we start to you know get towards baseball season, even with most of the off season still extremely unsettled uh, around the sport with so many of the top free agents still available. Uh, we take some calls, 800-321-0710. I want to catch up on a couple of interesting things that uh, were said you know, during uh, the Super Bowl opening night last night uh, as well as we go until 645 tonight, then we'll have Rutgers basketball. This is the, the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Well, here we are a few weeks from pitchers and catchers, and uh, by Monday we'll be past the Super Bowl and, and baseball, and it starts earlier this season with opening day, March 29th, uh, as they've added a few extra off days to the schedule. Uh, so, yeah, everything will get rolling a little quicker, even though this off season has been so quiet overall and has stretched out so long, uh, typically. I mean, it wasn't long ago you had most of the big signings done by the holiday. Now you usually have, you know, two or three, four guys that'll drag through into January, but this season it's everybody uh, and that, you know, is still available, still out there, and it's hard, you know, to find homes for the likes of Eric Hosmer, you know, at this point you would think ends up back at Kansas City or, you know, Mike Moustakis and you Darvish and company, uh, Jake Arrieta, you know, he, you know, see his name in the rumor mill a whole lot as, you know, everything has just been all jammed up. Uh, for the Mets here, you know, as we've talked about, I think they have two and a half holes that they still have to fill this offseason. Uh, they obviously need the second base, third base, one or the other. You know, we just talked to Kevin Kern of the New York Post, who is all in uh, on Todd Frazier and the Mets apparently don't want to make, you know, a trade for Josh Harrison. You know, I-, I think fits a little bit better just because he brings something to the table that, you know, the Mets don't have. And obviously, you know, Kevin's absolutely right. Uh, you know, Sandy Alderson, hasn't valued, you know, speed and athleticism a whole lot over the year or, you know, great defense. It's been, you know, about some power, uh, about getting on base. And, you know, that's what kind of teams the Mets have put together here. But I think it's nice to have another dimension if you go out and do it. Um, but when the Mets run into problems is, you know, there's not a major league ready type of prospect that you could move that's easy. And, you know, trading Brandon Nimmo 
while I would probably do it, it's something that, you know, Nimmo could end up having a decent role on this team this year, especially, you know, now that we know Michael Conforto's going to miss the first month of the season. And, you know, Nimmo has done a nice job coming off the bench uh, in, in years past and really finished up last year well. So, you know, while I might do that, in a, you know, swap for swap, you are opening up another hole uh, if you're the Mets making that move. And and Todd Frazier, I mean, it makes sense to me. Uh, Neil Walker, I think, scares a little more with the physical issues that he has had. And Eduardo Nunez, just you hear about the defense and the base running. He doesn't seem like uh, he'd be, you know, a, a great uh, fit uh, for this uh, this Mets team. But they need a starting pitcher as well, and, and that's something I'd like to see the Mets go out and take care of and find you know, somebody give you 180 innings and be a little bit more of a guarantee in that rotation while the Mets have a lot of starting pitchers, uh, you know, in theory and numbers, they all have physical issues, or at least everybody behind, you know, Jacob deGrom is coming off of something that went wrong last year, and to count on, you know, five of the eight, let's say, working out and having the kind of year you were expecting last season, I I think he's asking an awful lot uh, from this staff that either had injuries or underproduction all the way throughout, And, and that's where you don't hear much. You know, now, I think we're all relatively sure the Mets are going to do something to address the infield and add you know, another bat to this lineup. Will they do anything to take care of that rotation and protect uh, these guys a little bit more? And they can use another arm in the bullpen as well, especially if they're going to be you know, really piecing it together at the end of games and not saying, hey, you're a ninth inning guy, you're an eighth inning guy. If you're going to start going you know, out by out, essentially, late in games, you're going to need a lot of depth back there and, and pitchers that you trust as you get uh you know late in these games uh so you know, that's what's happening with the Mets tomorrow night much more on the Mets uh, Mets hot stove report at 705 and again Jacob DeGrom be with us on the show at the top of the show 605 on Thursday uh back to the Super Bowl I, I thought this was you know probably as interesting as anything that uh, went down yesterday but we heard a lot from the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick over the course of the show uh, but the Eagles are you know in a different situation they are obviously the underdogs going into this game uh, though they have a little momentum behind them as that line has shrunk to four and a half points uh, out in Vegas but um, you know this is a team that lost their starting quarterback lost you know a big time quarterback uh, for them in Carson Wentz who had really come into his own in year two and typically that's the death knell for a team look at how the Packers collapsed when Aaron Rodgers went down and yet you know the Eagles stumbled a bit with Nick Foles he did have a big game against the Giants looked terrible in the last game of the year against the Cowboys didn't play particularly well to me against the Falcons but he didn't make any mistakes either and that was fantastic against the Vikings but to lose your quarterback and to be able to find yourself in the Super Bowl it doesn't happen often and Malcolm Jenkins is one of the leaders on this defense for the Eagles and uh, he talked about yesterday the message that he gave the team when Wentz went down. Well, we were playing the Rams for, and we're trying to win the NFC East. Uh, Carson goes down, Nick steps in, uh, we win that game. And in the locker room, I wanted to just tell the team, like, don't let anybody come in here and change your mind about who you are. All year we've lost guys. All year we've stepped up and answered the bell. All year we stayed together and believed in ourselves. And now that, that you know, Carson is going down, it doesn't change anything. It sucks. We love Carson. And for him as a player, the year that he was having, uh, that was terrible. But all our goals and dreams are right in front of us. And I wanted to make sure that we understood that before the media came in and started, you know, trying to plant seeds of doubt.
But you usually hear players talk like that, well, even when uh, an important quarterback goes down. But this isn't the way that it usually goes afterwards. That's often it. And the players could say, well, it's just another player and next man up. And, you know, we're going to be just fine. And the media is trying to, you know, sow doubt in our minds. Uh, this is what happens. Look at the Colts uh, and what has happened to them the year after Peyton Manning went down or even, you know, when Andrew Luck hasn't been around uh, in, in recent years. The quarterback goes down. Typically, everything falls around it. And, you know, that has to be one of the most impressive things about this Eagles team. They were able to clinch the division and home field advantage after Wentz went down and, you know, to win those two playoff games. They had the advantage of playing in their home building. Uh, but, you know, Nick Foles really stepped up in a big way in that championship game. And it doesn't hurt to have a defense that's as good as anybody in the NFL. And we'll be getting into what will be, I think, the key matchup in Super Bowl 52 as this week goes on. But uh, thanks to, uh, again, thanks to Kevin Kernan, the New York Post, joining us on the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Myself at Salicata at 6.05. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.